0: Hi, and welcome. My name is Elizabeth Jones. I am a Wright State University student and an organizational leadership major. This podcast is the second of two for my capstone event. I'm a 26-year Air Force veteran, and I've seen a lot of different types of leaders and leadership styles. And one thing that always stood out to me was how hard it was for people and leaders to be straightforward with their personnel, especially in uncomfortable situations. And that's what I'm here to talk about. Being honest in the workplace is still difficult for a lot of people, but the problem can be understood and overcome. I want to thank you for joining me. If you listened to the first episode, welcome back. I'm so happy that you chose to continue listening. Last episode, we talked about the importance of being honest in a work environment Honesty is one of those things that can either help an organization excel or that lack of it can destroy a company from the inside out. We talked about several reasons why people tend to avoid being truthful, such as dealing with a person who has a strong and loud personality, not wanting to be the bad guy, and wanting coworkers to like you. I'm sure you realize those aren't the only reasons. People avoid being candid. Some people feel extremely anxious when they encounter difficult situations or are faced with dealing with other people's emotions. They can get caught up trying to manage their own emotions in those situations and find themselves unable to see a way forward. There are others who simply struggle to say no. They don't want to appear as if they're being difficult or that they can't handle something. So they say yes to everything. There are also those leaders that don't want to upset other people, which is another reason why some leaders have a problem saying no. When it comes down to it, people prefer honest leaders, but it can cause a lot of stress when we as leaders worry about safeguarding other people's feelings, and there is also an instinctual desire to be liked and accepted. A lot of the time, dishonesty in those situations may not come from telling a lie, but more from avoidance. We might keep information to ourselves to spare someone's feelings. There is the ever popular method of softening the message, meaning we water it down or offer false praise so we don't offend or come across as being too critical. Some leaders may choose to avoid taking any action at all by putting off difficult conversations and just hoping the problem will go away or resolve itself. None of those options benefit anyone. We have to learn to be better. In my first episode, I talked about how I had someone I was able to observe to see how they handle difficult situations. I realized that was a wonderful method for me to learn how to be straightforward. So I decided to offer the same to others. I suppose I created or worked off of a modified say, see, do teaching method. When one of my personnel didn't know how to handle a situation, we first discussed it. And if they didn't feel confident about how to talk to their subordinates, I offered to speak with the subordinate myself. The supervisor, subordinate, and I would all be in my office and I would speak with the employee while the supervisor observed how I handled myself and responded to how their employee behaved. Then if they needed help again, I would have all people involved come to my office again. But this time, the supervisor would do the counseling with me there to help if need be. That way, I was able to provide feedback to the leader afterwards. Then they were on their own. I mean, not really on their own, but you know, those sessions helped build their confidence and let them know that they weren't alone and that leadership had their back. It's important. Sometimes people can be afraid of being honest because they fear they won't be supported in their decisions. They need to know they are trusted and their choices are backed up. This method may not be the best, but it was effective for frontline supervisors who were just learning to be leaders and managers. Ben Brearley is a leadership coach, and he works with leaders to help them build confidence, help them make difficult decisions, and conquer the challenges they face as leaders. His article found on ThoughtfulLeader.com, written in 2022, titled Honest Leadership, How to Bring It More Often and Why It Matters discussed how we can be more honest in leadership. First, he believes that leaders need to take time to think about the positive outcome they want for the other person. When it comes to having a sincere discussion about a tough topic, it helps to think about the positive outcomes you'd like to see from the other person. It helps to keep you focused on assisting the person versus the difficult message you have to deliver. We've all had those times when we weren't motivated to go to work and we struggled to do our best. It wouldn't have helped to have a manager jump down our throat about it and tell us we need to be better and we need to improve or our performance report might suffer or we wouldn't be considered for a raise or we might even be fired. What would be helpful is having a leader who invested in us, who cared about us and why our performance may be suffering. When a leader takes the time to discover the cause behind a problem instead of trying to yell at the problem, it shows they care. And truly thoughtful leaders enjoy helping people. So look at being honest as you trying to be helpful. Second, Brearley says to focus on the long game. He references a Princeton University study that concludes that our brains struggle between short-term gratification and long-term goals. What happens is that we end up deciding to choose the quick and easy short-term route because it gives us a good feeling right now. However, when we do that, we tend to overlook the damage that decision can have in the long run. What he's saying is we need to do is not make quick and easy choices, like avoiding a discussion with an employee who's being disrespectful, and it feels good that we didn't have to deal with it. However, when that employee continues to be impolite and unprofessional, the situation only tends to get worse in the long run. Letting someone continue an unacceptable behavior tells them that their behavior is in fact acceptable. I have a simple philosophy that I live by and that is that if you don't stop someone from doing something, then you're allowing them to do it. You can't be upset with someone for having a bad attitude if no one ever tells them that their behavior is unacceptable. Tackle the problem early on so it doesn't fester and escalate and alienate that worker and their coworkers. Brearley's third recommendation about how to be more honest is to choose different words. We've all been in situations where we tell those little white lies because we feel it'll be avoiding hurting someone's feelings. Again, these white lies can have a long-term damaging effect, especially if and when people find out you lied to them. You don't have to be cruel in how you deliver information. There's a way to deliver information honestly to avoid losing the faith of your team. I'm sure a lot of us have been faced with a situation where a staff member asks us something we can't disclose. We know that telling them we don't know is a lie, but it's easier and simple and clean, right? Wrong, a lie is a lie, and if found out, it will degrade your staff's trust in you. It's much better to say that you aren't able to share the information at that time or that you're waiting for more information before you're able to make a decision. Whatever the case is, be honest. There are ways. Take a breath and think about what you can say that is true and do that. Finally, really insist that we need to take time to self-reflect. We have to take notice of our behavior by looking back at how we felt and what happened during a meeting, the day, or even the week. Look back at conversations. Did you water down a message to make it easier for you to deliver and for the person to receive? Did you avoid a difficult discussion? Did you mislead the truth to escape offending somebody? Why did you lie or avoid saying something or water down what needed to be said? It's good to take time to look back and think of those things and then look at how you could have handled them differently. By reflecting, you're looking at what you did and then actively rehearsing how to be better. Ron Carucci is a social psychologist who did 15 years of research in this topic, and he poses that four factors impact honesty, justice, and purpose within a company. Those factors are clear identity, accountability, governance, and cross-functional relationship. In his book titled, To Be Honest, He argues that if those four factors are absent or ineffective, the organization's culture will compel employees to act with dishonesty and self-centeredness. Like many other experts, Carucci found that people have an innate desire to be liked and accepted and that avoidance in any form is a common and destructive form of dishonesty. He also believes that authenticity, transparency, Respect and fairness are values that are leadership essentials and vital to building honest teams. What does Carucci mean when he talks about the factor of clear identity or honesty in identity? He uses both terms. Broken down, it simply means to be what you say you are. And to do that, he claims you have to close the say do gap. And all this means is that companies do what they say they're going to do. His research revealed that companies who make it clear who they are, where they're headed, and whose actions align with what they say are three times more likely to have truthful people in their organization who will act honestly and work with determination. These companies hold employees accountable to the organizational values. They have stated objectives that all employees incorporate into their work. When strategic objectives are misaligned and employees can't see how they match up with what they do on a daily basis, they get the idea that the company makes promises they have no intention of keeping. That fosters distrust and dissension. Next, Carucci discusses how difficult it is to define accountability and how to deal with it. He references a 2015 HR study that revealed 82% of managers they reviewed stated they have little to no ability to hold others accountable effectively. And he went on to share that 91% of employees surveyed stated that successfully holding employees accountable is one of the principal needs within the company. Now, accountability seems like a simple thing to be able to do. I mean, you have a job, you are told what your job is, you perform that job. But this seems to be a huge problem. The meaning of accountability has seemingly changed from holding people responsible for their actions and work to a method to keep people on edge and anxious. Even when an exceptional employee is faced with having to get their performance appraisal, most do not look forward to it. Employees don't feel their performance is adequately managed to get the best out of them, and they certainly don't feel motivated to improve. A good portion of workers only get feedback about once a year. Workers don't feel the work given to them aligns with the goals set forward in their appraisals or job descriptions. Furthermore, they don't feel their supervisors are evaluating their performance objectively. All of this leads to employees feeling as if they aren't working to their full ability, which leads to discontent. Accountability begins with managers who set attainable goals, discuss those goals with their subordinates, outline what it takes to meet or exceed those standards, and then giving ongoing feedback. And feedback doesn't just need to happen when it's required to happen. Feedback can be given verbally in a brief meeting or in the form of a pat on the back in the hallway. The frequency of feedback is important, but what is more important is the validity of the feedback. This is where supervisors have to be honest when evaluating the performance of their subordinates. If clear goals are established and the employee agrees that those goals are feasible, then evaluating those performance standards should be cut and dry. Not every employee can be the top performer. Not every worker is the one you know you can turn to to get things done. The majority of employees show up on time, do their job, and leave. They are dependable and they do what needs to be done. They may not show out or win awards, but those employees are the foundation of your organization and there's a lot to be said for strong, dependable, average workers. If you discredit the value of these employees, they're going to lose faith in you as a leader. The next factor Karuchi claims you need is governance or justice. A leader's behavior cannot give off even a hint of impropriety, no matter who's involved. A commitment to justice requires a shared leadership commitment to honesty and fairness. As I previously stated, I was in the military, and as a senior leader, I was privy to more information and was more involved in disciplinary actions against personnel. One situation involved a staff sergeant who had taken some medical supplies to stock a medical go bag or a bag that they could use if they came across an accident while they were out driving. While this was a good intention, it wasn't part of their job and it was considered theft. The member received disciplinary action that wasn't too severe. A year later, a lieutenant colonel was being moved from one state to another, and she had set up a great medical cart with all the acupuncture supplies that she used. She wanted to take that cart and the supplies to her new duty location. She was told that wasn't allowed since the cart and supplies were purchased with the funds from the location she was currently at. She tried to plead her case, but she was shut down and told the cart and supplies were to remain where they were. After returning to work on a Monday, it was discovered that the lieutenant colonel had come in on the weekend and took the cart and supplies and had them packed up with the rest of her professional gear to be taken to her new location. Long story short, nothing was done to her. There were few people who knew what really happened, but it sent a clear message that officers were able to get away with certain things that enlisted members were held accountable for. The inaction of the leadership to hold the lieutenant colonel accountable sent a message of injustice and earned them distrust. They lack the integrity needed to effectively create a trusting work environment. The final factor Karuchi brings up is a cross-functional relationship or stitching organizational seams. This means creating strong relationships with cross-functional partners. And it's, it's really easy when you have a large organization that has clear functional divisions, to try and develop defining lines and competition between each other. However, this cross-functional competition doesn't have to be toxic or negative. And when it comes down to it, everyone contributes to the success of the organization as a whole. And each functional division is dependent on the others to operate and survive. I'm going to use my medical experience from the military to explain this. My last duty station, we had three different squadrons or divisions. There was a squadron that was in charge of administrative and support functions, and they they had logistics, administrative functions, radiology, laboratory, and so on. There was a squadron that was responsible for the medical care of the majority of the active duty personnel and their dependents. And then lastly, there was a squadron responsible for flying personnel and more specialized sections such as public health, dental, bioenvironmental engineering, and health promotions. Each squadron had their own personnel assigned to them, and leadership, but they all ultimately reported to one commander of the medical group. So even though all three had separate functions, they were all part of one big team. We could have maintained a firm boundary between each division, but instead the leadership embraced that every person and every specialty was needed to succeed. We competed, believe me, we did, but it was friendly and fun competition that encouraged teamwork and solidarity. The best part of it was that there was so much trust within the organization that every single member knew they could go to somebody else within the medical group, whether it was in their own squadron or a different one, if they wanted to have a mentor discussion or needed to bounce something off of them or to learn something new. We didn't feel the need to stay within our divisional lines to take care of each other. Why is this important? Because instead of having leadership that encouraged contention and negative competition between the divisions, leadership decided to promote a united team approach, and it was the best job I've ever had. All right, we are going to wrap this thing up. In this podcast episode, we talked about honesty in the workplace and did a quick recap of how important it is for a healthy work environment and why leaders and people overall shy away from being truthful. However, the main focus was how to become more open and honest so that you can nurture a healthy work environment And I began by saying that it's important to note that leadership has your back. That helps you feel more confident in your decisions, and it encourages you to be brave and bold in your actions. I then moved on to discuss some of Ben Brearley's thoughts, and we talked about how thinking about the positive outcome that you want for your personnel is important. Then we talked about staying focused on the long-term instead of shooting for those short-term gains that might make you feel good for right now because maybe you avoided a confrontation, but it could mess things up down the road. Then we talked about choosing words to make sure you honestly capture and convey information and finally, then we talked about Ben Brearley's thoughts on making sure that you take the time to self-reflect, because when you look back at the things that you've done, you can almost always find ways to make that better. Finally, I dove into suggestions that Ron Carucci derived from his 15-year study, and I explained how honesty and identity, accountability, justice, and cross-functional relationships all help us develop ourselves into being trustworthy and authentic leaders. I want to thank you for listening and I hope you found this information to be helpful. I wish you all the best. Take care.